805-8344. So let me repeat that. Maybe write it down. Is 805-830-8344. So today we are taking a closer look at message 20 from the book Messages from Metatron, which is entitled Practical Spirituality. So what does it mean to be a genuinely spiritual person? And before I tell you what the book has to say about that, I want to ask my lovely and smart and creative co-host, Claudia, the answer she will wager. So, Claudia, what does it mean to you to be a genuinely spiritual person if you had to define it? Well, for me, if I genuine, to me, means something that it's true for me, like I'm truly doing that from the bottom of my spirit, of what is it that I need. And practical is something that I can practice to get more spiritual. So, And what would be more spiritual to me is probably to connect with my higher self, with the wisdom that I have, and how... And so once I find what is it that I do or how is it easier for me to connect to within the wisdom that resides in me, then I have to do that. Like I I wish I could just do it once and stop, but for some reason humans, we don't work like that. It's like if you don't do that thing that you do to connect with spirit in a daily basis, it's almost like you forget. It's almost like you get disconnected. I don't know why we have that capacity or feel disconnected from something that you are. That's who you are. But you feel like that. You feel like you're not connected, that you're not doing it right, that you are not listening, that you're not getting messages. And it's pretty much because you are not doing that which works for you to get in that zone. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely it does. Um, All important points. Um, The subject matter of this study group is fundamental. And I say fundamental because we're talking, as you said, about how to apply our spirituality in a practical way. And the first thing we must do to get perspective about the basic idea of what real spirituality is as applied to Americans living in the 21st century, are fundamental notions about what is spiritual and what is not. And there's a historical origin for this that can influence us more strongly than people realize. So our ideas about God and morality, which are built into the fabric of our everyday lives really do influence how we behave. And these basic ideas about God and spirituality, I call conventional, conventional, which simply means an idea that's become popular. And because it's become popular, the majority of people follow it. So conventions are powerful forces 
because they make sense of the world for us. And we at present are living under the influence of many conventions, very powerful conventions. So today, that's what we're going to talk about. How can we take the conventions that we've been, in, we've been handed, we've inherited, and understand them in such a way that they're practical and even useful to us? So we're going to unpack this question. And I believe this is a crucially important question because there are a lot of people running around who will tell you that they are this religion or that religion or simply that they believe themselves to be a spiritual person. But all of us have seen that clergy have made a mess and caused lots of heartache by abusing their spiritual authority. And it's not only the Catholic Church guilty of indiscretions, but pastors are being exposed right and left for immorality. And then there are clergy who use the church as a way to become rich. And that has certainly been going on for, well, many, many centuries, where the parishioners are in need while the church gets wealthier and wealthier. So this matter of what constitutes a real spirituality, a genuine spiritual person, has been debated and abused by religion and by the business of spirituality because spirituality is a big business. New Age spirituality is big business. This program is part of the New Age movement. Now, does that mean I'm wrong to sell the book that I wrote? Does it make us money-focused if we hope that by offering this information, you might buy one of my books? How do we tell if what the quote-unquote spiritual person or show or book or place of worship or life coach, we can't forget them, how do we know they're sincere? How do we know? Or is there no way to know? Because we cannot look into a person's heart and see their true motives. How do we know who is genuine and who is only doing it to make a buck? And so Metatron's 20th message to us gives us some clues. So first, He tells us what a spiritual person is not, is not. Quote, a spiritual person is not a mindless person. You should not have blind faith, he says. A spiritual being has their eyes wide open. They are observant, paying close attention. So what is he saying here? What does he mean? He is saying, use your brains. Use your common sense. If something doesn't make sense or doesn't sound right, it might not be right. Have you ever heard the saying, if it looks too good to be true, it probably is? He's saying, don't close your eyes to what, quote, unquote, spiritual people are doing. Not only what they're saying, But, quote, a spiritual being has their eyes wide open. 
they're observant, paying close attention, unquote. Ralph Waldo Emerson, a great poet, said this, your actions speak so loudly I cannot hear what your words are saying. Truly spiritual people have faith, yes, but they also have a brain. Why are cults called a cult? We've, we've tossed that word around a lot in the last four years. Let's talk about a cult. What differentiates a cult from any other group of people? If you're caught in a cult, you will deny. That's, that's the key word. You will deny to yourself and to outsiders what's really going on. You're in a cult if the leader is saying or doing things that are contrary to the law or contrary to morality. Define that. Morality, the definition of morality, is knowing the difference between right and wrong. So you're in a cult if you lie to yourself to justify your behavior, the leader's behavior, or the group's behavior. You are not spiritual for breaking the law or engaging in immorality. You are acting like a cult member. (laughs) I'm telling it like it is today, Claudia. So denial of what your eyes see is not spiritual. Just the opposite. Okay, (laughs) moving along before I blow my lid. Uh, Number two, the second quality of a genuinely spiritual person is this. Well, people are curious, childlike people, childlike, unafraid to ask questions, and they must not apologize for expecting answers. He's saying what Jesus said. He's saying, in fact, exactly what Christ said. When a disciple asks Christ, Master, how do we get to heaven this is uh, Matthew 18.3. Here's Christ's answer, quote, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Become as little children? Christ points to children as our role models, as the adult role models. He is turning this on its head because usually we consider ourselves the role models, don't we, for children. And little children love to ask questions. If you've ever babysat or had a toddler, you know exactly what I'm saying, especially the word why. My mother said to me one time that she just started answering, because I told you so. (laughs) Because I'd ask her why about everything, and it was driving her batty. And this is what this message says don't just go along with the crowd if something doesn't make sense that a clergy or an authority figure or even a politician is telling you don't just accept it be like a toddler and ask why okay so number three the third quality i'm flying through them here and then we're going to open this up for discussion The third quality of a spiritual person is not that you're poor. Being poor won't make you more spiritual. I think we got it into our collective heads, probably thanks to the vows that priests take, you know, vows of celibacy, 
vows of poverty, that poverty is more spiritual than being rich. Why? There's that question again. Because priests take vows of poverty, don't they? And aren't priests closer to God than the average person? Well, that's what we're told. But Metatron here says, quote, furthermore, it is not holy to live in poverty any more than it is to live in luxury. Neither renunciation of material things nor accumulation of wealth proves your spirituality. The spirit realm cares not about your riches, unquote. Now, that seems to shoot a hole right through our traditions of renunciation. Now, am I saying, let me, let me qualify that. Now, am I saying that renunciation is wrong? Well, not according to this. He says it's not right or wrong. He says heaven doesn't care about your money. That's what he's saying. He says, quote, the spirit realm cares not about your riches. So being poor or even being rich doesn't matter to God. Why would a spirit care about money? Why would, it, why would a spirit care about anything material like that? That doesn't make sense. So if God doesn't care about whether I'm rich or poor, if that can be crossed off the list of what makes a person spiritual or unspiritual, then what? What does God consider to be spiritual? So like an onion, I'm peeling back the layers here. And now Metatron reveals the secret spirituality. The secret of spirituality. Are you ready for it, Claudia? I'm ready. <laughs> okay. I want to make sure you're with me. She's tracking. Okay, he says, quote, what makes you a spiritual person are your priorities. Your priorities. And before we troop on, let's define priorities are. So, Claudia, I know you don't have a magic dictionary there with you, but off the top of your head, if I ask you to tell me what your priorities in life are right now, um, what would you say? And priorities sound like family, education, career, uh, relationship, children, <laughs> finances, education, spirituality. Those things are our priorities in life. What would you say, just off the top of your head, are your top priorities right now? You know, that's a loaded question because first I want to answer the right question. And there's no right or wrong, but it's like, okay, okay, what should I say that sounds good? <laughs> because this, you know, it's like when you, people tell you that you have to have a purpose of life, and then you're like, oh yeah, I have a purpose. I want, and then it's it's our priorities in life have been also we have been taught what to prioritize. Like we have been told that you have to put your family first, your uh, children, your anything else but you. And I would say that I actually, I want my priority to be me, to be 
Mm-hmm. I am the way that I experience life and to have a fulfill a fulfillment of enjoy of being on earth for every breath I take. That would be my priority, mm-hmm. my ideal. But I don't know if I'm following that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because and I think, society I tells you are right or wrong. Evil. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Say that again. Say that last part again. I said, I didn't what catch it. what I said is is that when I see say, saying that aloud makes me feel selfish of just saying that. And it shouldn't, but I feel I feel that remorse inside of me. Like I should have saved my children, my husband, anything else but myself. But I shouldn't. But there's another thing in my in my side of me saying, why? Why should I not put my priority as myself, as whoever, right. everything that I am? I want to be the first in my list. And not having to adhere to anything that sounds correct. I don't know. And we have many people just raising their hands that are ready to answer that question as well. Yeah. I I want to answer that. I want to respond to that. Um, What you just said about, you know, feeling bad that your priority might be yourself at this time. have you heard the old Aesop fable about the goose that laid the golden eggs, Claudia? Do you know that Aesop fable? I the goose think and the golden I eggs. Okay. So really quick, um, this is a this is a really old fable that just says um, the goose that lays the golden egg. Um, there's a farmer, okay, and he realizes he's got this incredible goose that's laying these golden eggs. And he gets greedy because the goose only lays like a couple of eggs a day and he wants more. So he locks off the goose's head and reaches in to try to get the golden eggs, but it kills the goose. And, of course, the goose stops laying the golden eggs. So the, the moral of the story is that you've got to take care of the goose in order to keep laying the golden eggs. And mm-hmm. I would say to you that if what your priority right now is taking care of yourself, Perhaps, number one, that's what you need to do so you can continue to lay the golden eggs. And number two, that's what your soul might be directing you to do. You know, in order for you to grow, maybe the next step of growth is to make yourself a priority right now. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we know so we priority. have tons of callers. Do so you want to take one, someone else and see yeah, what that person says? Okay, so so we have, I'm going to tell you the area code, so you choose what feels that it's 203-845-914-929 or 347. Let's go with the first one. The first one, okay. 203, can you share your thoughts? Hi, hi. Um, uh, apologies, I agree with everything. It's kind of really where I'm living right now and all my training. But I was actually mm-hmm. calling in for a reading. Are you not doing that today? 
you know, I would be happy to do a reading for you. If you can hang on towards the end of the hour, Sure. Um, then we, we sure. can reserve, like, can we reserve about 10 minutes at the end, Claudia, or 15 minutes at the end to do that? Of course. Of course, we will. Okay. All right. So hang on, my dear, and, and I will definitely so, get to you in the last, last quarter here. Okay. So, um, okay, so let's continue then because um, I think people are waiting for their reading. Okay. So here's the rest of what I want to say about priorities because Metatron has just said that a spiritual person is defined by their priorities. So we know based on the discussion we just had that priorities have something to do with what's important to me. What's valuable to me? What I place value on? Priorities could also be called values. So Metatron says this, quote, what makes you a spiritual person are your priorities, your values. And what is valuable to you is how you spend your time. So look at how you spend your time. And you'll see where your treasure is. And in fact, the Bible says that too. Where your treasure is, your, your heart will be also. That's what it says. So what you're spending your time on, you value. And then he asks us some questions to consider. He turns this around on us and says, now I've got some questions for you. Number one, he says, do you make time for regular spiritual practice? Do you make time for regular spiritual practice. Now, let me qualify that. can look a lot of different ways. <clears throat> but are you spiritually edifying yourself? Do you meditate? Do you pray? Do you chant? Do you do retreats? Do you read spiritual books? Do you attend services? Do you practice at home? Are you actively pursuing spending time growing spiritually? That's his first question to us. The second question, are you growing in self-awareness? Self-awareness. Now, he doesn't say other awareness. He's saying, do you stop to look at yourself? And as a result, has your behavior changed? That's the litmus test. Remember, Christ said, you're going to need to change yourself. And this is called transformation, isn't it? And then he makes an important observation. <clears throat> Quote, he says, most people give up too easily and don't persist feeling disillusioned with their spiritual life. Unquote. And I would say, I would say it a different way. As a life coach and a hypnotherapist of almost 20 years, I would say it like this. Most people give up too easily and don't persist feeling disillusioned with life, with life. And that discouragement and disillusion with life gets in the way of growing spiritually. Now, why is that? Because when things go really, really wrong, terribly wrong, 
we tend to look for someone to blame. We tend to blame God. Now, we may not admit it to anyone, but when we're suffering and life seems to be cool, we can't help but wonder, where are you, God? Don't you care about this? Do you even know I'm here? And so why would we invest our spiritual in our spiritual growth when we don't even know, we're not even sure that God cares about us? And Claudia, I'd like to bring your perspective <clears throat> in here. Can you tell me or, or tell our callers of a time that you can think of when something really rocked your faith? something really disappointed you and you can remember a time like that where it might have been easy to blame God? Yeah, well, I personally, I think when you, when I lost uh, my mother, so when, when going through that, it is difficult not to ask why. For me, it was difficult not to ask why and wonder of the meaning of life and, and, and the cruelty of life and things like that. So losing someone you care for and the knowing that it's not only this person that you're going to lose, but you're going to lose everyone you care for uh, to me that and I'm, I'm also I'm crying inside it's like that it makes me my my blood rage that makes my I, I want to ask why because my mind doesn't understand that and yes. you know so yes. to me that would be the one the one that that rocks all everywhere that I'm standing because I don't know how to answer that. Yes. Thanks for sharing that with us. Um, a very personal perspective. You know, the first thing that jumped to mind when you were talking for me is the loss of my daughter. Uh, and for those people who don't know, I've written a book about it, but for those who don't know me, in 2013, my teen daughter took her own life. And it's been 10 years uh, last month. And although it's been 10 years, those feelings of desperation and anger at God for letting it happen, quote, unquote, come right back to me. I mean, <clears throat> until that time, I'd been raised in a conservative Christian home. So God and the angels were always, you know, very real to me and a, a part of my tradition and my family. But I took my faith for granted. It was just sort of there in the background. I didn't attend any services at the time of her death, um, but I did believe in God. I just didn't think about it very much. I was busy as a single mom, you know, keeping us afloat and running a business. <clears throat> and God was somewhere in the background. And then my daughter's suicide brought my faith front and center real quick. And instead of turn to God for comfort, I blamed God. I mean, that was my first response. It wasn't to cling to God, but it was to blame God. And this, I think, is a very normal, common response from suicide survivors. 
Like, you know, God, how could you let this happen? And it wasn't until years later that I was able to see that God had no part in that. My daughter made that decision. But I wanted someone to blame, and God's a good one to blame because he or she never fights back, right? God gets the blame for all kinds of things in life that he or she didn't do as well as things that God supposedly did do. So we humans love to attribute our choices to God. So this message reminds us that your spiritual growth can be destroyed when we attribute to God things that are not his or her responsibility. And then Metatron goes on, but I want to ask this from a very human standpoint then. But how do we handle it when suffering comes knocking? How do I relate to God when I can't believe that he, she didn't seem to care enough to intervene? And Metatron actually answers this conundrum. And here's what he says, quote, true spirituality sees suffering as a redemptive tool used to forge you into an instrument of greater compassion. He used the verb forge. And if you're a blacksmith, you will know that word. To forge a tool, to forge a sword, to be heated so high that the metal begins to melt. And the metal has to begin to liquefy, and once it's hot enough to begin melting, it's forged. It's struck, and it's struck, and it's struck. It's hammered into something different than it first was. And he says suffering is that tool used to forge you. He's saying suffering is the hammer which is used to beat us into submission. And you might say, well, gee, Nina, that's awfully harsh. God wouldn't be so harsh. Really? (laughs) Because that's exactly what Metatron is saying. And why? And I would add, why? Why? Why do I need to be forced and not? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, it's not fun, is it? No. To be beaten like that. Yeah. And, and here's the answer, very simply put, that it beats our egos down until we become so soft and so pliable that the blacksmith can hammer us into whatever shape he wishes. I mean, if we didn't have life's reproof, let me put it that way, the hard times, our egos would be voluminous. If you, like me, have ever wondered why you have to experience such pain and sorrow and loss, it's because those circumstances, however terrible, will make us teachable, will make us submit, will shape us into something that can be used to help someone else. A sword will take shape in that fire and come out gleaming. And these are the qualities of a truly spiritual person. It's nothing to do with wealth or poverty. 
It's nothing to do with whether you go to church or not. He didn't even mention church in this whole chapter. Nothing to do with agreeing with the church's doctrine. Nothing to do with agreeing with a leader. He says that a truly spiritual person isn't what is on the outside, but what is on the inside. And then the list goes on. So any thoughts, Claudia? Many. Yeah, you know, if, if you hear that and it, it, it makes sense, even though I don't like it, but it makes sense. Because <laughs> I don't know why my nature and maybe many people's nature is to be stubborn. Like, I always <laughs> want to do things my way. It's like, I want to do it other, other, you know, differently, and maybe right. that's part of the of of the forging that needs to be done. I don't know. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I think it absolutely is because uh, what did Christ say on the cross? The very last thing he said. Well, the very last thing he said: "Forgive these guys because they don't realize what's going on here." Right? That's what he last. But the, the thing before he said that. The last thing before he said that. Um, was what? It was about God's will and about his will. And he said, not my will, but let yours be done here. He was surrendering, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. I mean, that statement's all about, I surrender. I surrender. This is yours now. You know, I give my spirit to you. He said that too. So it's all about our surrendering to a higher power, our surrender to a higher will for our lives, of our egos moving out of the way and being flexible enough in the fire to be molded into something that can help someone else so that it's not just our ego running the show. So this message, I've only read half of the first page, half of the first page of the chapter so far. This message is full of qualities of a spiritual person. Most we don't even have time to go into. We've only touched on a few. But uh, I, I'm going to stop here, and perhaps we can take some callers now, Claudia. Okay, so let's go with 845-920. Welcome to Seaview. Can I have your first name, and where are you calling us from? Hi. How are you? My name is Maria. I call you from New York. Could you please... Give me a message from the angel. Hi, Maria. I'm glad Hi, you called. I know you. Can you can you say that again, hon? I didn't get the whole thing. Okay. Give me a message from the angel. So you have a message Why from you... one of the angels? Yes, oh, please. Okay, okay. Okay, okay, Maria. Okay. So let me... um. Let me just tune in. I haven't tuned in at all this morning, so give me a few seconds. Let me tune in and see if there's any message that um, sometimes I get messages from a guardian angel. Sometimes I can get messages from a spirit guide that you have that's been with you your whole life. Sometimes I'll get messages from an ancestor, and, and I, if it's an ancestor, I'll tell you, okay, uh, who it is. Usually I'll, I'll know who's speaking. So hang on just a second and let me tune in, my dear. Yes. Okay. 
So the first thing before you even start, stop speaking that jumped to my mind, <clears throat> Maria, is there a man in your life, an older man specifically? It might be your father. It might be an uncle. But it seems like there's an older man that you've been very concerned about or somehow you care for. Is there somebody like that in your life that you're concerned about? No. Older man. No. Not, my no? No. Not right now. Okay. No, okay. I don't know about it. Okay, hang on. See if I can get some more on this. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, okay. So I think it's your father would like to speak to you. I, I think that's why I got the older man. <laughs> um, is he is he on earth or is he gone? Is he left the no, body? You no, I thought the patient I'm sorry? Time. I love it. Okay, I can't hear. I can't hear what she's saying. Claudia. No, my father passed away a long time ago. He died a long time ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I think this is your father who wants to speak to you. Um, Nice. Are you Italian? Are you Italian or he was Italian, something like that? Yes, yes, yes. Italian, very Italian, I get. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Um, Like from Sicily? Is that the area? Yes, yes. Really? Okay. Yeah, that's what he's telling me. Okay. Um, uh, did he come over here as an immigrant? Yes. Or he was the child of immigrants, something like that, and he came over? Yes. Is that how he got He immigrated. Okay, yeah. That's him. It's him. Oh, wonderful. So he wants to say something. Hang on. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, first off, I'm getting a really um, beautiful, warm feeling in my heart for you um, from him. I wish you could feel it. It feels like a, ooh, it feels like a, mm, like a whirling vortex in my chest right now where my heart is. So that's my heart shock. And um, he's telling me, this is how he feels about you. He's giving me this feeling for you. It's very warm. I, I don't think he was always a warm person, but he feels very warm towards you. He loves you very much. He wants you to know that. Um, He probably did not say it enough while he was on the earth, but he loves you so much. And it's, ooh, I can feel it. It's almost overwhelming um, how much he loves you. He said that you struggle with, like, um, Self-condemnation sometimes or feeling not good enough uh, or like um, judging yourself, like you're not good enough, you judge yourself, you're harsh on yourself. Is, does that, is that true sometimes? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So he says this is what you must work on is acceptance of yourself the way you are. He says, "There's you. You keep thinking you need to change something about yourself." He says, "No." He says, "You need to accept who you are. You need to accept yourself as you are, just as he accepts you." Okay, and fully accept, fully accept yourself. There's a part of you, maybe it's your body, maybe it's your intellect. I don't know what it is about you, but you feel inferior. 
a part of you, not all of you, but a part of you. And he says that part that you've been rejecting of, he says, work on accepting all of it, all of you, accepting all of you. He says, and as you accept yourself, then you'll be more accepting and loving and soft and welcoming of others. It will change your personality. You'll be softer. You'll be more gentle. You'll be more tender. He says, these things that you want come from a ex- full acceptance of yourself. Does any of this ring true for you? Yes. Yes? <laughs> yeah. What is it? Can I ask, Maria, what is it about yourself that's hard to accept or harder to accept? Uh, right now I've got a mess in my house for my roof, for my, my living room, the, the water coming inside, the we got a problem with the trouble with the panel, the solar, you know, the people who didn't want to take it away. I got a mess okay. in my house. I want to okay, go in Italy. Okay. I don't know so I can go. You think I'm going to go in September in Italy? They're going to freak us in my house. Mm. Okay, so it's organization and being cleaner and all of that stuff. Is that right? No, no. I got a water. It comes in oh, a lot water. of water from water, uh-huh. from my oh, wow. roof, okay. inside uh-huh. my limited okay. room. Oh, wow. Yeah, I got okay. a trouble with the company, with the panel. I got to put a lawyer. Yeah, I can uh, find I see. a lawyer. I see, I see. Okay. I want to go in Italy. So, I don't know. You think you are going yeah. Italy this year? Yeah. Well, I don't know. He's not. He's not really specifically speaking to your 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 situation there, but it's more. There's something inside. He's saying that is has been bothering you for a long time, and so he's speaking more about what's inside and what's bothering you on the inside. So those are the things that only you know, and those are the things that you can work on. But he says if you work on those things. On the inside that you have not accepted about yourself, that will actually begin to change your your actual personality will change, so that you're you're softer, more gentler, more tender person. Um, uh, so yeah, so that's what to work on, I, I guess. And and to know that your father really does love you, and he thinks of you, and he thinks of you, and and you're precious to him, and he has a warm feeling when he thinks of you. So. Um, so that so just accept that love today and thank you for calling maria so let's go to to connecticut let's bring pat to the show thank you so much um hi pat hi hi. thank you for taking my call i'm just wondering uh I, i rescued dogs for 35 years um the last one i just lost uh two days ago I had to help oh, him cross I'm over. I'm, I'm really so curious. To, thank you. Yeah, it's tough. I'm in shock and just kind of lost, mm-hmm. roaming around. Um, but I, I just want to <laughs> know, what did he see as we, I'm sorry, I'm going to cry, when we were sending it's him okay. over? Um, my sister, my son, 
and me and the vet and the and what is he seeing now? Where is he? If you can help okay. me with that. Okay. What was your doggy's name? It was Chance. Chance? C-H-A-N-C-E. Chance. Chance. Okay. All right. Um, what did Chance look like? He was a hound, black and tan, very white face okay. when, we, when he left. He was, yeah. Okay. And what did you love about him the most? Uh, I I love dogs, and I um I tend to get uh, really intense relationships with them. I talk to them yes. like they understand English, and they just become amazing partners in life. Yes. He he was abused. He was abused. Mm. So he had fear aggression. So protecting him Mm -hmm. was very intense between children, teenagers, dogs, men. You know, everybody abused him. So um, going out into the world was could be scary if dogs were off leash, things like that. He certainly came around near the end. He always had a big heart. Yeah. Okay, hon. So thank you for giving me the background. Let me just um, tune in for a minute and see if I can get anything. I've actually never um, been asked to um, kind of look into the other side and see what a pet was doing, but I'm more than happy to see if I get something. I may not because I haven't done this before, but let me just tune in and see if I can find out any information, okay? So hang on. So the first thing I do see something, um, now I'm getting choked up based on what you told me. The first thing I see is that he's with a bunch of other dogs. He's in a group. He's in a pack. And he's joyful. And he's, he's blissful. And he's playing. And he's not afraid. There's no, not, not a stitch of fear in him. He's um, just joyfully one of the, one, it, the, the fear's gone. The fear, all of the fear is gone. Um, and he's just part of the pack, which is what he always wants. Um, and I think what's really, truly beautiful about the other side is that, you know, we lose our inhibitions and we lose the fear that we had and we lose the neuroses we had uh, when we get to the other side and all that is just, you know, we step out of it like clothing. And that's what's happened to him. Um, he's not reincarnated yet. I think he's still on the other side. Um, and um, he's just having a blast. He's having fun uh, with other dogs, getting to know other dogs, you know, uh, communicating. They have their own way of communicating on the other side, but they don't have here. I mean, here, you know, they sniff each other and all that stuff. But on the other side, it's it's very different. Um, they actually can communicate, like, telepathically with each other. So that's what he's doing. He's just getting to know his sort of new family, Um in heaven. And I, I think the one thing that comes to me towards you, like the thought, if he has a thought towards you, is that he is grateful for how you protected him and how you took him in and just acted as his mom, as his mommy, and protected him. So he always felt safe with you. And that was extremely, that was the most important thing you could have done for him, is give him a place of safety. And then when he's with you, 
to feel safe, to feel protected. You always protected him. And I think that he, he's grateful for. He's, I think, yeah, he's grateful for. So, and then he loves you. That's the second thought that came. So that's what I see. He's just really busy with a new pack, a new family. Okay. All right. Thank you. (laughs) It's wonderful. Thank you. And thank you, Pat. So now let's bring 914-522. Can I have your first name and where are you calling us from? Thank you so much for taking my call. My name is Catherine from New York. Hi, Catherine. Hi, Catherine. What's your question? Hi. Um, I'm trying to help my mom and myself. We're involved. Um, I don't know. I feel like it's going to have to be a lawsuit because um, a company is, is just seeing things their way, and I feel really being unfair. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. I was wondering if you think indeed, indeed I do need a lawyer, and if it'll go um, as a victory for us. Mm-hmm. Also, um, the first first thing that pops to my mind, even while you were speaking, my friend, is that yes, they have done the wrong thing, and that um, they need to pay for that. Uh, they need there needs to be compensation for that. Uh, you don't need to say who they are or prefer that you not say who they are or, you know, what what went wrong. But just I appreciate you keeping it anonymous. Um, but they do need to uh, compensate for what went wrong. And um, my feeling is that if they're not willing to deal with you, try that angle first. But if they're not willing to negotiate with you and under the terms that you need, or are asking for, if they're not able to meet those terms, then get an attorney because you're going to need to um, have some muscle on your side if if they turn down your request. But definitely what comes to me is that this is a situation where harm was done and harm will continue to be done if, if, if not, if they don't, um, uh, settle it with you. So yes, yeah, absolutely go forward with this. And I think in the end, you, you know, you'll, you'll come out okay. I think honestly though, what comes to me is you may come out better if you have some muscle on your side. Yeah. And, and I'm not all for attorney attorneys. I'm not, I'm not um, attorney crazy and I'm not too crazy, but I think in this case you might need it. So that's all. And going to the topic of today, when we're talking spirituality and just now doing something that is so worldly, like sometimes we think that spiritual people do not fight for your rights. So what mm-hmm. what does Metatron say in things like this? Well, you know, I'm sitting here staring down at the quotes that I, I had written out for today, and I think this quote really answers that question. So let let me just uh, read it. Quote, practical spirituality means thinking through your problems, the good mind God gave you, to find practical solutions. Refrain from asking others to believe blindly and don't allow people or don't, don't allow people to follow without understanding why. Following blindly is not spirituality. This is stupidity. 
Spiritual people are inquisitive, spontaneous, honest, humble, and unconditionally accepting of each other. They don't reject scientific knowledge and can withstand opinions that oppose their own. So in other words, he's saying practical spirituality means using the good mind that God gave us to come up with practical solutions. And sometimes, you know, so practical solutions aren't always easy, right? Lawsuits aren't mm-hmm. always easy. Divorces aren't always easy. Life doesn't always give us an easy out. Sometimes we have to stand up and fight and use facts and use our minds, right, to come to the truth. So I don't think that um, it's unspiritual of us to say the truth. You know, I think it's actually a spiritual thing. But sometimes, you know, it takes us standing up for ourselves, as you said, Claudia. Yeah. Thank you. So now let's go with caller 519-257. Welcome to see you. Can I have your first name and where are you calling us from? My name's Jennifer. I'm calling from Canada. Hi, Jennifer. Jennifer. Hi. Um, I every day I like pour some Metatron into my diamond protection from Archangel Michael. So, and that's been so Metatron's very been very helpful with protection and that sort of thing. Just wondering. Um, I've got a, a trip plan. I'm going to see my mother. As of yesterday, she was fine, and then yesterday she starts being really difficult. Um, and I know, you know, losing a child, like you said, is really hard. But what if they don't have that relationship with their parents where you feel like they, they're a little bit selfish? Okay, so tell me a little bit more about that because I'm not I'm, – do you want to perspect my perspective as a life coach? Is that what you're asking as a therapist? Well, yeah, whatever way you think is the best way because I, I feel like – Okay especially my kids, like, so I've got kids, I feel like both my, my mom, like, they're divorced, but my dad and my mom, it's like there's an emotional absence from both of them when it pertains uh-huh. to myself, my my brother. I don't take it personally. I don't think that they are um, have a relationship with my brother or my children. Uh-huh. So, so what do you do with that, right? So, yeah, what do I do with, like, should I use? Yeah, yeah. So here's I, what I, I, I would suggest. Like, okay. Here's what I'd suggest. Is, it sounds like there's a little, if I'm hearing you right, there's a little bit of coldness there, like emotionally or distance there um, with yeah. your parents and the, the way they treat their family, okay? So if yeah. that's the case, um, there, you know, I've heard it said, and, and I really like this statement. This really appeals to me. Someone said there's a seed of truth in every criticism. In every criticism, there's a seed of truth. And so Mm -hmm. I believe if you sit down with both of them together or, you know, one at a time individually and in the most loving way possible, express your need or your desire for more affection you know, be specific. If it's affection, you want hugs, then tell them, I need a hug when I see you. Or if it's, um, uh, I need you to express your feelings to me, whether it's good or bad. Can you do that a little bit more? 
then express that. But you're going to need to be specific. Otherwise, it's just going to come across to them as a complaint, okay? And they're not going to yeah. know how how to um, change that for you. So if you're needing something, you need to approach the meeting as if this is my need versus approaching the meeting as this is your problem. Do you see the difference there? I don't know at this point if it is my need. So I guess my real question is, is just pretending like we have relationships, is that healthy or do I just, you know, accept it for what it is? Because my, my need is not to change anybody. Yeah, no, I'm not saying change them. I'm saying you obviously have a need because you called the show and you're bringing it up to me. So there's a yeah. need there. And what, what I'm saying is isolate what that need is. Sit down with a piece of paper and figure out what you need. Okay? If it's, I need dad to hug <laughs> me once a month. I need them to recreate the past, but, but that can't happen. <laughs> yeah. No, unfortunately. Well, maybe it's me that needs to forgive them for the past. <laughs> well, right, but you still have needs, right? Because yeah. a relationship is a two-way street. Yeah. Right? So you're, you're probably yeah. giving to them, but you're not getting it back. Am I right? Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. So if you want to continue in relationship with them, it's absolutely fine to say to them, you know, a relationship is a two-way street, and so what I'm going to need for you is this. And then you can say, and now, Mom, what is it you need from me? What do you need more well, from me? And you, might, yeah. you might be surprised. You might be surprised what she yeah. says. Yep, you yep, might be surprised what she says. And you're going to have to keep your... Keep your gates open because they may need something too. And if you both express your need like that, not you need to change, but here's my need, here's what I need. I just need a hug. Every time I see you, Dad, can you do that? They'll probably laugh about it, but I bet it will change. Yeah, no, no, change. that's good. I, I, yeah, you got to communicate, right? Yeah, it's all about letting them know what your needs are. And and that's even in couples, right? It's the same thing. Any relationship comes down to can I express my needs? And can I express it in such a way they will accept it and not reject it? And so just sit down with a piece of paper, write what you want to say, right? And kind of commit it to memory. Tell them specifically what you need, you know? Mom, I need for you to listen to me 20 minutes every week, and whether that's on the phone or we get together for tea. Just specifically tell them. And if they can't do it, then, then say, and if you can't do it, you let me know why you can't do it. Otherwise, can we make an agreement that we will do this? We will work on doing this. And in that way, you're constructing a better relationship for the future for both of you. Yeah, that's good. But does it take some guts? Absolutely. <laughs> it does take some guts. Okay? Take your gut pills in the morning before you go. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I can do that. Okay. That's the medical problem. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. He's a problem Thank solver, you. I'm sure. Yeah. Thank you, Kenny. And Nina, we have reached the end of today's show. So what is it that you want people to um, Listen to before we say goodbye. 
Yes, we certainly have. Well, thank you to our listeners and to those who joined us on the show today. Um, I hope we've come a little closer to defining what practical spirituality is. And if you're interested in learning more about this course in self-transformation, you can find the book Messages from Metatron on Amazon.com. Just search my name, Nina Bingham. Um, <clears throat> I've got some other angel books on there as well. Um, but our next broadcast will be Friday, September 15th, when we will be discussing good and evil, good and evil, a fascinating look into why evil is allowed. And if you've ever asked yourself that question, why is suffering allowed, I invite you to join us. Thank you, Claudia, for being the best co-host Thank ever. You. And, and, and I'm you putting that on my calendar. That one is a good one. I'm not missing that yes. one, okay? <laughs> it's going to be a good one. Okay, Thank you. Bye-bye.